Welcome to the FPC Thomasville podcast. We believe human life has a designer, so learning to live by design will help you thrive within all your spheres of influence. Today, Dr. Tim Philston will share a message titled, Wired for Hope, as part of our Hope on the Horizon sermon series. The scripture passage for today is Romans 5, 1 through 6, which will help us answer the question, where do we get hope? Well, when I, when I picked this uh, theme of hope, I was thinking about Easter. I wasn't thinking about a pandemic. But how amazing it is that, uh, that God is ahead of us. And uh, I really feel like we've been led to this time and this theme of hope. There are a couple of kinds of hope. There's a kind of hope that, that even the animal kingdom has. A dog hopes to catch the rabbit. But there's another kind of hope, and this is the kind of hope that we're going after in this series called Hope on the Horizon. It's a hope that is called the virtue of the pilgrim. Hope is the ability to borrow strength from the future. Hope is the ability to borrow strength from the future and invest it today. Psalm 84 is one of my favorite psalms. It's a psalm of the pilgrim, a pilgrimage from uh, and across desolate places. And Psalm 84 talks about the pilgrim's ability to make even the desert, even the driest valley, valley the place uh, of springs. Why is that? They're on their way to the, the grand celestial city. They are borrowing a promise from the future. They're borrowing strength from the future and they're investing it in today. So we're not talking about the wishful thinking kind of hope. There's that wishful thinking kind of hope. Well, I hope, for example, I hope First Presbyterian Church does not cancel their worship service this weekend. You know, that's, that's one kind of hope. See, this is really difficult. It's really difficult because that's, that's my best joke of the whole morning right there. Uh, it's the kind of, of, of wishful thinking that we normally uh, think of as hope. We think, well, that's what hope means. It's just sort of something we wish for. But hope is a virtue. It's a strength that we have today by borrowing a promise from the future. So where do we get this hope? Where do we get it? Let's take that question to Romans 5. I invite you to turn with me. If you have your Bible, would you grab it off the shelf or you know, open it up? Take a look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Hear God's word this morning. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we, we also rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. This is God's word. Let's pray together. God bless this word, not only to our minds to understand it, but to our hearts to believe it 
that through our lives we may live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Viktor Frankl is a, a, an author, a famous survivor of, uh, of the concentration camps of Nazi Germany. And he wrote this about hope. The prisoner who has lost his faith in the future, his future was doomed. Did you hear that? The prisoner who has lost faith in the future, his future was doomed. With his loss of belief in the future, he also lost his spiritual hold. He let himself decline and become subject to mental and physical decay. Usually this happened quite suddenly in the form of a crisis, the symptoms of which were familiar to the experienced camp inmate. Usually it began with the prisoner refusing one morning to get dressed and wash and go out on the parade grounds. No entreaties, no blows, no threats had any effect. He just lay there, hardly moving. In this crisis, if it was brought about by an illness, he refused even to be taken to sickbay or to do anything to help himself. He simply gave up. Now, I, I often look back to this period in human history because it strips away so many distractions and we can see the human spirit laid bare in what we really, really need. And what we need is hope. We have an appetite for it. We're made for it. Like air, like water, like food. You and I need hope. So where do we get it? Where do we get it? Two places that jump out of this passage. One of them is really obvious, and the other one is very surprising. So first, let's look at the obvious place where we find hope, and then let's look at the surprising place. The first place is that, as I mentioned, we borrow hope from the future and invest it as a strength for today. Hope is a promise. Hope comes from something that is, is certain, and it gives us a bigger view. In other words, this idea of rejoicing in the glory of God is to recognize that we've been given something. We've been given a promise. And when that promise really hits home, and we're going to talk about how that works, then you and I have a bigger view. We can see beyond our circumstances. We're not under our circumstances. Hope helps us see above the circumstances because we have a bigger view. Now, how do we get that bigger view? First of all, let's, let, me, let me tell you a little illustration about this, a little story about this. There's a guy named Forrest Fenn. Have you all heard about this, this billionaire named Forrest Fenn who... Um, who has collected over decades, and this is towards the end of his life here, he's in the last season of his life, and he has created this adventure. He's, he's collected this gold, um, this, this ancient, these gold doubloons and artifacts, and he put them in this treasure chest, and he has hid it somewhere in the West. I'm not making this up. This is for real. He calls it the thrill of the chase, and people have been looking for this treasure for se you know, several years. And it's fun just watching people get excited about it. This is why he did it. He loves to see people in the thrill of the chase. Now, I want you to imagine 
that you know about this treasure and you know where it is. I kind of picture it, you know, and, and this is, it, he's, he's written this poem that gives all these clues about where to find it. And one of the clues says that go where the water stops, uh, where, where the warm water stops flowing. And there are places all over the, the West where, where um, you know, the, the magma heats up the water table and, and then that comes out and it mixes with the cold water from the ice melt. And, and there's warm water where you can sit. And, and it's, it's got to be near one of those places. And see, it gets your imagination going. Now, some of y'all already are maybe... Now, see, this is the problem, see, because you're watching on, and some of you have already probably Googled this. But, well, you're doing it here anyway, because I can see you when you're sitting in this room. I can see you Googling. But I picture it sort of under a waterfall or up this stream from a, a main river source. Now, imagine that, that you're traveling with somebody, and you know for certain where that treasure is, and the other person doesn't know even why you're, you're out walking, that you've told them, hey, you have somewhere to go. And just imagine that things just keep going wrong. Everything keeps, your car breaks down, and then it starts raining, and then somebody, you know, breaks a, a, an ankle or something like that, and you're limping along, and, and it's just getting worse and worse. And now just imagine what this other person's mindset is like and, and what life is like for them and what those circumstances are like because they don't know what lies at the end of this adventure. For you, every challenge is met with a great sense of borrowed strength. Do you see it? You've got a bigger view. See, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, it's a past tense. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to see this. It, it should jump out at you. Therefore, since we have been justified. And you say, Tim, I thought that was borrowed from the future. Yes, it's borrowed from the future. But, but first you have to recognize that, that what we have lying for us in the future is on the basis of something that's already been accomplished. And when that rings true for you, and when you experience it because of your repentance unto faith, you begin to have the kind of experience that Peter had when Jesus says, Who do you say that I am? And the Spirit of God reveals to Peter, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. How does that revelation come to us? It comes to us through repentance unto faith. And when we begin to see and experience peace with God, real peace, you experience a sense of acceptance. That, that somewhere in the very pit of your soul, the place where you are most identified, when, the place where you recognize, this is really me, the real me is really accepted by the real God. When that rings true for you, that acceptance becomes a settled assurance and peace. And that's our hope. We know that on the basis of what God has already done, we know that he's going to be able to do something that is fulfill his future promises to us. When you experience that, and when you have that assurance, you have a borrowed strength. You know, this week I, I saw somebody who was ranting, as I know many of you all have online, who was ranting 
about a Christianity that isn't relevant enough. And he said, you know, when I was young, you know, it was very condescending. He said, you know, when I was young, I used to, uh, I used to focus on, uh, on things of the future. And now that i am grown older, I focus my faith on the present. Well, <laughs> on the contrary, young fellow. Um, you're not old enough to recognize something that, that, that just screams at me. When I read C.S. Lewis's famous line, he says, you know, the people who have done most in this present life are just those people who are most assured, assured about their future. He says, aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. So the first place where we get our hope is just glaringly obvious to the believer. It's right there in that place of quiet peace and assurance of faith. The second, there's a surprising place where we get our hope, and that's through suffering. It says in verse 3, not only that, not only that, but... We rejoice in our sufferings. And then he goes on to see to talk about what suffering produces. Now, this is a very strange thing. But I think we have to recognize that we as Americans are far more distracted than we are hopeful. Did you hear that? There's a huge difference. We in the West, the affluent West... As I've said before, we can't handle our prosperity. We are more distracted than hopeful. And sometimes, suffering is the very way that God strips us of all the distractions to show us our living, enduring hope. We want to wish it away, and we think, that we have a, a certain knobs that we can turn to make sure that, that none of this that we're worried about, especially in this season, affects us or those we love. There's nothing wrong with that. That can be a very faithful way to pray. But don't miss what God may be offering to us in the midst of suffering, through suffering. It's not that we rejoice for suffering, but we recognize as believers That God has something for us because his hand of providence never is removed from our lives. Never is removed. He is able to work all things to the good. Not that all things are good, but he's able to work all things to the good. So don't miss what he happens to be offering. Makes me think of this story about this guy who's looking for his keys. And a guy comes along and says... And it's kind of dark out at night and he's rummaging around over in this alley and he says... He says, uh, and there's this, this bright, uh, uh, you know, uh, street light over him. And another guy says, what are you looking for? He says, where am I, where, where, I'm looking for my keys. And he says, well, where did you lose them? Where did you last see them? He said, well, I think I dropped them over by my car. He said, well, why are you looking for them over here? He said, well, the light is much better over here. It's kind of a crazy... Maybe it wasn't such a good idea to bring my family here this morning. (laughs) Think about that. We often look 
just in places where the light is best. We're more distracted than hopeful. Now think about it this way. The stars are often a place where you hear people find inspiration. And especially those of us who live in places that are urban and, and you've got this ambient light all the time, you don't really see a crystal clear midnight sky. On the darkest night is when the stars are the brightest. On the darkest night is when the stars are brightest. That, that inspiration that comes from seeing a bigger view of the universe, of seeing how vast creation is, of recognizing that, that there's, there's, there's this incredible power behind all of it, that wells up in us. You've had this experience. Every one of us has had this experience where you see this. But, but in order to see that bigger picture, we have to go through sometimes a very dark night. Even what St. John of the Cross calls the dark night of the soul. Where we're stripped of all those places where we're looking and not finding. Just because the light happens to be better over here. We're more distracted than we are hopeful in our prosperity. You see, that's why Paul, that's why Paul says we rejoice even in our sufferings. Let me read it to you again. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. You know, those of you who are parents, you want a certain character for your children. You also want to protect them from all kinds of things. You don't want them to suffer. It's such a contradiction because a lot of times the very thing we're trying to protect our children from is capable of producing in them the character that we want for them. We want to protect our children, yes, and it's the right thing to try to protect them from undue suffering. But sometimes... The kind of character that we need that produces endurance and perseverance for life that is often very difficult is the very suffering that we would wish to protect them from. You see, that's why Paul says we rejoice even in our sufferings. And so this morning, I want to invite you as a church to recognize that God has not removed his hand from your life. He's able to work all things to the good. It's not that we see that there's good in all things. It's not that we're thankful for those things, but that we look to see what God is at work doing. So I want to leave you with this this morning. I want to leave you with some practical tips. These are, my, these are Tim's top 10 tips during a season of social distancing. I know it's very strange. We were in a setting last night where everybody was very awkwardly not shaking hands. It was, uh, it was uncomfortable. So here are my top 10 tips during this season of social distancing. First of all, number 10, do not lose your sense of humor. Now, this, is, this may seem like just sort of a throwaway. No, this is pretty important. I mean, especially in times of stress. Uh, one, of my, one of my children sent me this uh, image. It said, there are two kinds of people in this world. The caption said, there are two kinds of people in this world. And it was people lined up at Costco. And the pers one person in line had this huge stack of toilet paper and paper towels. It was like the entire region's worth of you know, paper products right there in his buggy. 
And the other person right behind him just had one thing in his cart. It was a case of Corona beer. <laughs> Two kinds of people in this world, the defiant and the panicked. Keep your sense of humor. Number nine, pray. Now, how do you pray? I want to give you two simple ways to pray. First of all, pray what's in you, not what should be in you, what ought to be in you, what's supposed to be in you. Pray what's in you. You're invited to pray what's there. And second of all, find the Lord's Prayer again. Find it. Make it part of your daily rhythm. That's number nine, pray. Number eight, respond well. You know, Brian said this er earlier. You know, there's a difference between reacting and responding. We react a lot of times out of fear, out of fight or flight, but respond well. We need to be urgent in this time, but we need to be urgent with peace. We need to not light each other on fire with our worry and concerns. Be careful about your tone of voice and, and even those things that... That if it tended to get a reaction out of somebody, ask yourself, why didn't that get a reaction? Maybe I should stop saying that. Uh, it's, it's one of the reasons why we uh, are gathering uh, at, in homes as families and instead of in a big crowd in this place. There's something that we can do to respond well. Find something you can do and respond well. Seven, connect. Connect. I've got a friend uh, named Todd Sandell lives in Atlanta who uh, writes these conversation cards, and you can, you can look for them online. Let me give you a, a few uh, questions that, that are great. I mean, the conversation starters, just to find each other in, in your house again. How do you feel about the level of influence social media has on you right now? That's a great question around the dinner table. It's not, a judge, it's not to judge and don't, you know, if people start sharing, don't jump in and, and judge them. Just, just draw people out. How do you think most of your friends would answer that question? That's a great way is just to have them answer, you know, for somebody else. Uh, here's another question he has in his conversation starters. If you could have lunch with the president right now, what one thing would you ask him to do to make this situation better? It's great to find out what other people are thinking. Conversation cards, that's number seven. Number six, soothe each other, all right? So uh, Brian and I, Brian's on our, our staff here, and he, he uh, was helping get us all set up, and he and I were in, in some, some tense discussions yesterday as we were trying to pivot, you know, the, uh, trying to turn that apple cart without knocking all the apples off of it. And uh, I just stopped in the middle of it, and I just said, I just want to compliment you for how patient you're being with me right now, you know? So soothe each other. It's a stressful time. Number five, make a phone call. Think of somebody who isn't going to get a phone call today and call them. Number four, go and buy some personal note cards. We've, it's a lost art form. And write a personal note to somebody. Are you... Um, well, number three, let's, let's move on. Number three, examine yourself. Don't miss this time of self-examination. Where is your hope? What has your heart? It's good to plan. It's good to have a 401k. It's good to be invested. Well, maybe not good today to be invested in the stock market, but what does it tell you about what has your heart? How is this helping you examine yourself? Number two, find one other person, one other person. And focus on encouraging that person. And finally this, I want to leave you with this. 
This is a poem that I stumbled on by Lynn Ungar. She just wrote it, and it's a beautiful poem. This is how we're going to just close out our time here. Listen, just close your eyes and just relax. I just want you to picture the imagery of this poem. It's called Pandemic. What if you thought of it, that is this season, what if you thought of it as the Jews considered the Sabbath, the most sacred of times? Cease from travel. Cease from buying and selling. Give up, just for now, on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing, pray, touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has become clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we shall live. May God bless you this Lord's Day. Amen.